When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, or welcome back, to Sound Sleep. My name is Adam. Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to tell you about Sound Sleep, the premium feed. For less than $1 a week, you gain access to a library of ad-free and bonus episodes. There are early releases, and you get to support this podcast. Lastly, let's not forget, you will have my greatest appreciation. You can subscribe from either Apple Podcasts or Supercast, and listen directly in your favorite podcast player. It's quick and easy. Go to soundsleeppodcast.com or look in the show notes for more information. And thanks so much for your continued support. I really love this next story, and I hope you do too. If you'd like to tell me what you think, Feel free to let me know with a review and a rating. Or send me a message on Instagram or in the Facebook group. I really do love to hear from you. Did you know, nighttime noise, whether it's from roads, airplanes, or noisy neighbors, can decrease sleep efficiency and is linked to several adverse health consequences, including cardiovascular disease. A podcast can help to drown out these environmental noises and increase sleep efficiency. All of the audio you hear in this podcast is uniquely curated with methods that promote healthy and quality sleep.
looking for even more stories to listen to and fall asleep with, check out one of my favorites, Dreamful. Jordan has an amazing selection of the best stories and perfectly pairs them with music that she personally selects. You'll be snoozing in no time to Pride and Prejudice, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, or you could easily get hooked on her 12-part Constellation series. Check out Dreamful wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Coach Me Greg. If you're like me, you have a lot of big ideas and plans. You want to be productive and get fulfillment out of your life. And if you're like me, you may feel like sometimes you need a little help to be your best, to keep you on target and motivated so you can achieve what you set out to do. So if you're like me, well, then you should go to coachmegreg.com. I've received tremendous value from working with Greg. He's easy to talk with and there's no judgment. I can count on him to help me find the best solution and schedule. He makes everything very easy and I find it very helpful to have someone I can trust working with me and rooting for me as I try to get the most out of life that I can. Go to coachmegreg.com. Schedule your free consultation today. Make yourself nice and comfortable in bed. The softness of the sheets the comfort of the pillow as it holds you gently, feeling the warmth and safety as you sink in and wind down. Turn your attention to your breathing and slow it down to a gentle pace. Just this simple awareness you turn your mind away from any of the worry and business your mind may be trying to work on. There is nothing left you need to do today. Allow your mind to focus on your breath.
slow, peaceful rhythm for as long as you'd like while we begin our story. And when you are ready, allow yourself to drift off to a rejuvenating and sound and the seven-headed dragon. There was once a Badisha who had forty sons, and they spent the whole day in the forest hunting and snaring birds. When the youngest had completed his fourteenth year, their father thought it was time they were getting married. So he called them together and spoke to them about the matter. We are willing to marry, said the forty brothers, but only if we can meet with forty sisters, all having the same father and mother. The Padisha therefore sought throughout his dominions for such a family, but in vain. The greatest number of sisters in all the land was thirty-nine. The fortieth will have to take another, said the Padisha to his sons. But they refused to agree to that, and begged their father to allow them to travel in foreign countries to seek the desired brides. What was the Padisha to do? As he could not dissuade them, he grudgingly granted their request. Before they set out, however, the Padisha said to them, There are three things which you must bear well in mind. When you reach a large spring, do not spend the night anywhere near it. Farther is Anahan. Do not spend the night there either. Beyond the Han is a great plain. Do not linger there a moment. The sons, promising to remember their father's advice, mounted their steeds and rode away. Smoking and talking, they wended their forward course, and as evening drew on, they came to a spring. Now we take not a single step farther, observed the eldest. We are fatigued, and it is night. Besides, what have forty men to fear? So they alighted, ate their supper, and lay down to rest. The youngest, the fourteen-year-old brother, kept watch, however, 
towards midnight, he heard a rustling sound. Cautiously, he drew his weapon. And as the sound came nearer, he saw a seven-headed dragon. Both beast and youth rushed to attack one another. Three times the dragon wrestled with the youth, but could obtain no advantage over him. Now it is my turn, cried the prince. And with these words, he struck the dragon such a powerful blow that six heads fell from his body. Strike once more, gasped the dragon. Not I, returned the youth. The dragon sank to the earth, and behold, one of his heads began to roll. And it rolled and rolled till it reached a well. Let him who has taken my life take also my treasure, said the head as it fell down the well. The youth now took a rope, bound one end to a rock, and with it let himself down the well. At the bottom, he found an iron gate, opening it and entering. He saw a palace even more beautiful than that of his father. In the palace were forty apartments, and in each apartment sat a maiden at an embroidery table, near which immense treasures were piled up. Are you a man or a djinn? asked the terror-stricken maidens. I am a human being, answered the prince. I killed the seven-headed dragon and came to this place by following one of his rolling heads. Now the forty maidens rejoiced. They all embraced him and begged him to remain with them. Incidentally, they informed him that they were forty sisters whom the dragon had stolen. He had killed their parents, and now they had not a single friend or relation in the wide world. We are forty brothers, said the prince, and seek forty maidens. Then he told them he must ascend to his brothers, but that soon he would come again to fetch them away. He came up from the well and went to the spring, where he lay down and fell asleep. Early next morning, when the forty brothers awoke, they began to laugh at their father's attempt to frighten them about the spring. They set off again and continued their way until evening when, behold, the Han their father had mentioned stood before them. We go no farther tonight, said the elder princes. 
the youngest, however, expressed the opinion that it might be well to follow their father's advice. But the others would not listen to him. They ate their supper, said their prayers, and lay down. But the youngest kept watch, as before. Towards midnight, he again heard a noise. With his drawn sword in hand, the young prince found himself confronting another seven-headed dragon, larger and more frightful than the one he had slain the day before. The dragon straightway attacked the youth, but without effect. Then the youth fell on the dragon so furiously that six of his seven heads fell. The monster begged for another blow as a coup de grace, but the prince declined. As on the previous occasion, one of the heads rolled into a well. The youth followed it and discovered a larger palace and greater treasures. Noting the place, he returned to his brothers, lay down, and fell asleep so soundly after the fatigues of his combat that his brothers had to rouse him next morning. Mounting their horses again, they pursued their journey uphill and down dale, until by sunset they had reached a great plain. They ate and drank, and were just going to lie down, when suddenly an awful shriek was heard, and the mountain seemed to quake. Terror seized everyone as they caught sight of a gigantic seven-headed dragon, spitting fire and roaring. Who has killed my two brothers? Bring him to me, that I may slay him. The youngest saw plainly that all his brothers were paralyzed with fear and unable to do anything. He delivered to them the keys of both wells, telling them to take home the forty maidens and the treasure. He promised that when he had killed the dragon, he would follow them. The thirty-nine sprang on their horses and rode away. Now we will return to the youngest. The conflict between the prince and the dragon was a stern one, and they fought a long time without either overcoming the other. When the dragon realized that the struggle was in vain, he said to the prince, If you will go to the land of Chinimachin and bring me the Padisha's daughter, I will spare your life. The prince consented to the condition, for he was too exhausted to continue the combat any longer. Shampalak, as the dragon was called, 
gave the prince a bridle and instructed him as follows. Every day, a magic horse, Ashgir, grazes here. Catch him, put this bridle on him, and command him to take you to the land of Chinimachin. So the youth took the bridle and waited for the magic horse. The golden-hued steed came flying through the air, and no sooner was the bridle laid upon him than he said, Command me, little sultan, shut your eyes, open your eyes, and behold, there was the youngest prince in the far-off land of Chinimachin. He alighted from the horse, took off the bridle, and walked into the city. Entering an old woman's hut, he asked whether she could find him lodgings. Willingly, answered the old woman. She offered him a seat and prepared some coffee. While he was drinking, he made inquiries as to the condition of the country. A seven-headed dragon, said the old woman, has fallen violently in love with our sultan's daughter. For years there has been war on her account, and we cannot get rid of the monster. And the sultan's daughter, questioned the prince. She inhabits a kiosk in the Padisha's garden, answered the old woman. And away from it, she dares not stir a step. Next day, the prince went to the Padisha's garden and asked the gardener to take him into his service. He begged so earnestly that at length the man took pity upon him. You have no other duty but to water the flowers, said the gardener. The sultan's daughter saw the young man, and she called him to the window, asking him how he came to be in that land. The young man told her that his father was a Padisha, and then he described his fight with Shampalak, and how he had promised to bring him the sultan's daughter. But fear not, continued the prince. My love is greater than that of the dragon, and if you will come with me, I know how to destroy him. The maiden had herself fallen in love with the handsome prince, and moreover wished to escape from her constant imprisonment. Her trust in the prince was so great that one night they left the kiosk together in secret and repaired to Shampalak's plain. On the way, they discussed what the maiden might do to discover the dragon's talisman. For through that talisman, the prince meant to destroy the monster. 
we may imagine Champalak's joy when he saw the Sultan's daughter before him. What happiness that you have come! What happiness that you have come! He repeated again and again as he caressed the princess who was weeping all the time. Days and weeks elapsed, but the princess never dried her tears. If you would at least tell me what your talisman is, she said one day to the dragon. Perhaps my days would not be quite so wearisome. My darling, replied the dragon, it is guarded in a place impossible of access. In a certain country, there is a large palace, and whoever gets into it never gets out again. This was all the prince needed to know. He took his bridle, threw it in the sea, and the golden-hued steed appeared. What is your command, little sultan? To the palace of the dragon's talisman. Shut your eyes, open your eyes. And there he was at the palace. As the prince dismounted, the magic horse said to him, Fasten my bridle to the iron rings at the palace gate. When I neigh once, knock the rings together and the gate will open. The gate is a lion's jaw, and if you can cut it asunder with a single blow of your sword, you are safe. Otherwise, your last hour has come. Accordingly, the prince fastened the magic horse to the rings, and when it neighed, the gate opened. The prince struck the gaping jaws of the lion, a stout blow, and split the creature asunder. This done, he cut open its stomach, and took therefrom a cage containing three doves, so beautiful that their equals had never been seen before. Taking one in his hand, he stroked its plumage, caressed it, and purr, it suddenly caressed it, and it suddenly flew away. If the magic horse had not quickly flown after it, caught it, and wrung its neck, the prince would never have met his lady love again. Now he remounted his magic horse. Shut your eyes, open your eyes. And he found himself once more at Champalak's palace. At the gate, the youth killed the other two doves. And as he went in, the dragon fell an inert mass to the floor. Seeing the dead doves in the prince's hand, he implored him to let him stroke them once more.
before he died. The youth, seized with pity, was about to offer the birds to the dragon when the sultan's daughter ran in and tore them away. Upon this, the dragon perished miserably. Fortunate it was for you, said the magic horse, that you did not give him the birds. New life for him was in their touch. As there was no further use for it, the bridle now disappeared, and with it the magic horse. The prince and the sultan's daughter gathered together all the treasures of the dragon and bore them to the land of Chinimachan. The Padisha had become quite ill through worrying about the disappearance of his daughter. Search had been made for her throughout the length and breadth of his dominions. But as she could not be found, the Padisha had come to the conclusion that she had fallen into the power of the dragon. When the princess appeared again, safe and sound, he gladly gave her in marriage to the prince. And the wedding was celebrated with great rejoicings. After the honeymoon, they set out with a brilliant retinue of soldiers for the palace of the prince's father. The prince was thought to have died long ago, and his claim to be indeed the prince would hardly have been accepted had he not related the story of the three dragons and the forty sisters. His thirty-nine brothers married thirty-nine of the sisters, the fortieth becoming the wife of the princess of Chinimachin's brother. And henceforth they all lived in the greatest happiness.